Hello and welcome back everyone to another session of what it looks like to live free in 23. You know, Paul was a huge advocate for the early churches in the book of Acts. And he just loved them to a certain level that many people won't understand. Well, let's figure out why he valued them so much and learn what it means to flip the letter. Let's get started, everyone. So before we get started, though, as you can tell, you're hearing a new voice on this podcast. Allow me to introduce myself. My name is James, and me and my wife, Sarah, helped lead the younger crowd here at the Blue Ridge Church. And this, is, this consists more of the, the young professionals, the campus ministries, and the older teens who may be in a stage of transitioning to either college or the professional life. So with that being said, I look forward to joining in on these podcasts from here on out in the future. So anyways, let's get started. I was raised in a different family of churches before helping lead this one. And attending service, I, I would always have all kinds of thoughts. Like if the worship band was up there uh, playing and leading the songs that we'd be singing, I would think, man, I wish, I wish I was as cool as them. I wish I could be a part of this and just really flex on them, just really show off my, 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 my potential skills that I might have. Or sometimes I'd be thinking, why won't someone come, come talk with me or socialize with me? I, I want to have friends. Sometimes, actually, you know what? A lot of times I'd wake up Sunday mornings and ask, do I really have to get up to go to church service? Why, why can't I just sleep in? It's not like I get anything out of it. All right, well, one figure I, I look up to time and time again in terms of just the formation of the church is Paul. Paul or Saul, the name is interchangeable in the Bible. If anyone was going to teach us anything about church, and the value of it, it would be this guy. Now, before Paul became a huge figure in Christianity, let alone being a Christian, he was anything far from those two ideas. In fact, he was very adamantly against Jesus and the church itself. So let's go ahead and actually look at some scripture that, that shows the, the beginnings, the origins of Paul as a Christian. Let's go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 9, Verses 1 through 18. Here's what it says. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice to say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus who you are persecuting. He replied, Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground. But when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him, to, led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision. Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. 
The Lord told him, Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. For he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has, he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized and after taking some food, he regained his strength. With that being said, my, my first point or my first thought is that Paul loved Jesus. Paul loved Jesus. Paul was a man of high conviction and was passionate for the law. Right? From that, he became a strong figure for those in the Jewish leadership. Now, though he was passionate, he was passionate of the law, he was also blinded by hate towards Jesus and those who shared about him in the point of he- to the point of heavy persecution. Right? Heavy persecution, imprisonment, and even death. Right? You can see in before Acts 9, it even shows that Paul approved of, of Stephen, a person who was adamantly advocating for Jesus, was stoned. Right? Something that Paul approved of happening. Now, with all this happening, Jesus still uses him to show how great the love of Christ is. All right, let's look at Philippians 3, verses 4 to 8 real quick. Here's what it says. Though I myself have reasons for such confidence, right? This is Paul speaking to the church in Philippi. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. All right, one, circumcised on the eighth day. Two, of the people of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrew, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ. Now, with this being said, Jesus didn't need Paul. Jesus didn't need Paul at all. But he wanted him. He loved Paul first so that Paul could be given the opportunity to love back. Not just Jesus, right? We'll get there. And in response, Paul showed love to Jesus. Now, let me ask you a question a more reflective question. What would it look like for you to respond to Jesus' love the way Paul did? What do you think that would look like? Let's talk about how he responded with my second thought. Right? And these thoughts that I share, 
They all have to happen sequentially. So first thought was that Paul loved Jesus. The second thought is that Paul loved the church. Paul loved the church. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6, Paul says, As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of, calling, of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all in all. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. With this being said, Paul wanted every bit for the church to grow in all good ways. And he knew how that had to be done. To live a life worth living. How? Through humility, gentleness, patience towards each other. To make every effort to maintain spiritual unity. To be together. With that being said, it wasn't that Paul loved the institution of the church. right? To clarify, the church as an institution, it needs no loving. Right? It's not the institution or the, in some ways, the building, right? the system that needs loving. Right? That leads us to the third thought. Paul loved the people. Paul loved the people. In Romans 1, chap- in Romans 1 verses 9 to 10, Paul says, God, whom I serve in my spirit in preaching the gospel of his son, is my witness how constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times. And I pray that now at last by God's will, the way may be open for me to come to you. This is what he says to the church in Rome. Now to the church in Ephesus, he says in chapter 1, verses 15 to 16, for this reason, Ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Now, another example to the church in Philippi, Paul says in verse, chapter 1, verses 3 to 5, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray for, with joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel and, for the, and from the first day until now. Right, and these are just a few examples of all the letters that Paul sent. Paul didn't send these letters out because these were people of higher status or power or influence. He sent them because these were people of different lifestyles. But equal brokenness, living out Jesus' living. They were living out mercy, forgiveness, love, and sacrifice. Now, this is really hard to do in a podcast since there's no image, right? But if you look at, if you go on Google and you simply look up Paul's journey to all the different churches and the the Mediterranean area, 
you'll see a lot of lines on that map. Right? Paul visiting Philippi, you know, Greece. He's going to Ro- all the way to Rome, Ephesus, Corinth, all these different places with different kinds of people doing, living different kinds of lives. It shows you how much Paul loved the people there to the point he, he made an expedition multiple times to visit them. And Paul loved them. Now, near the end of these journeys, Paul was eventually imprisoned and then put on house arrest and eventually executed for preaching about Jesus and showing his love. Now, what do we do with all this information? What do we do with all these thoughts? What now? Well, I have a a play on words, right? But it's one phrase. Like I said in the beginning, is to flip the letter. There's two ways to do this. For a large portion of my life, at least, my mental letters, if you think about a letter, letter, you have the home address of which the, the letter was sent from, and then you have the, the address that it's being sent to, right? Well, in my mental letters, I would always have the home address put up on the letter twice. What do I mean by that? Well, going back to my thoughts in, in the early days of when I went to church, I would always think about me. I would always think about how do I, what do I get out of this? What, how can I show off to my friends? I wonder if I'm doing the right thing. I wish I could, I wish I could show off. What in this narrative is about me? My letters were like this. Can you say the same? Can you relate? Now, think about how you can change that letter, how you can flip it, right? I wonder, I wonder if my friend's wedding planning is going okay. I wonder if there's any way I can help him. Or, man, Joe Schmo is, is really trying hard to, to show off, to, to, to stand out. Man, I, I, I might be concerned. I'm actually kind of concerned. Maybe he's feeling insecure about something. Maybe I should get time with him. Or how can we join our narratives together in the way God intended? You got to flip that letter. And in that way, if you flip that letter, we can flip another letter. From me, right? If you flip that M to a W, you can change that me easily to a we. That is the church. We. Now, one more message that Paul sends uh, in the in the letter to the people in Corinth, right? In First Corinthians chapter eleven, he says this: "For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, looked, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, for which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me.'" In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Right? Paul references the last supper Jesus has with his first disciples, his first followers. 
In this situation, Jesus was well aware that one of them was going to sell him out to the Romans and the Pharisees, and in turn have him tortured and crucified. But even then, even then, Jesus did not kick him out of the dinner. He didn't expose him, at least explicitly. Even while knowing he was going to be betrayed, he kept the table open for all of them. Right? Now, none of us has the ability to predict any double-crossing or future hurts. But just like Jesus, we have an open door to provide the same open table that Jesus had. So with this, let's go out and remember that the church is about us, how we can help each other in spiritual unity, focusing on God, and living free in 23. Whether you're a new listener or have been listening, we just want to appreciate just you joining us today and tuning in. Again, my name is James. I help lead the Blue Ridge Church here in Charlottesville. Uh, if you have the time to do so, please come visit us. Uh, we'd love to have you and just get connected. And just like we said in the lesson, just to really figure out what it looks like to be a true church of Jesus. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you have a great and fantastic day.